remember the first day I met Clarence Fountain from the Blind Boys of Alabama. Is he the big, the big one? Or no, is that the no, little, that's little a new guy. guy. He's a new guy. Uh, Jimmy Carter, I think, is actually his name. Really? That's the guy with the long sustain and the high voice, the little, little. Oh, the little one. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, wee yeah. man. Yes. Um. Anyway, those guys were so good to me. Oh, sorry. We're on air, right? Yes, we are. <laughs> Talking away. You're listening to the Drew Marshall Show. Thanks for tuning in. We're streaming live at drewmarshall.ca on the MyJoy radio app and iTunes or Google Play and across the GTA on AM 1250 Joy Radio. First time I met the Blind Boys of Alabama was down at the uh, Toronto Jazz Blues Fest. Or no, Jazz Fest. I don't know. Something down in Toronto. Yeah, don't spoil it. And uh, they were on the show and did an interview and I did a little shake and howdy with them like Winona told me to say. Shake and howdy. And they were so nice. So I check out of the Sheraton. I've told you this yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I check out of the Sheraton, and the guy goes, um, yeah, your bill's been taken care of. I said, what do you mean my bill's been? Yeah, well, they don't want you to know. I, what do you mean they don't want me? And I looked over, and there's all the blind boys of Alabama, and they're, you know, they're, they're entourage. I went, are you kidding me? You let blind guys pay for me? It was probably an accident. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got. But I like those guys. I like oh, their music even more. Oh, yeah. They're amazing. Have you been to one of their gigs? Have I taken I've you? Been, I've been to a couple of their gigs. Did I take you or just go on your own? I might have gone with, to one with you. My, my favorite was they opened for Peter Gabriel. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, you know, non-religious kind of show. But, like, they had the entire Air Canada Center on their feet. Hooping just, and hollering. Oh, it was incredible. Carolyn Smarts Frost. One of the most interesting middle names I've ever seen in my life. So I'm, that's my first question for her when we get her yeah. on the air. She's the author of Steal Away Home, One Woman's Epic Flight to Freedom and Her Long Road Back to the South. For the readers of the Book of Negroes, bound for Canaan, House Girl, and the Illegal, comes a story of a 15-year-old escaped slave named Cecilia Reynolds who slips away to freedom in Canada while her Kentucky owners holiday at Niagara Falls. In this compelling work of narrative nonfiction which is very hard to say, mm-hmm. but easy to read. Governor General's award winner, Carolyn Smards Frost, brings Cecilia's story to life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Carolyn, let's talk about Smards. Can we talk about that, please, right away? Certainly, certainly. Uh, first of uh, all, am Polish. I saying it right? Yep. It's Polish. It is. Carolyn Smards Frost. There's no K in it. What? Wow, because all Polish names have well, K's? Yeah, oh, yeah, very crazy. You know, it's like the Welsh language. For us who speak yeah. English, the consonants and stuff just don't work. Carolyn, you are one of the most fascinating Canadians that I've ever come across. Uh, the weird thing I think people... Now, you tell me if you've ever had pushback in this. Have you ever had anyone saying to you, what's a white girl like you writing about black stuff like this for? Uh, well, first of all, my great-grandmother was a slave in Virginia. Um, so it's, uh, I have some African-Canadian ancestry, although I certainly do not have a black experience. Right. My interest has always been, um, it was originally sparked by an archaeological dig I did in downtown Toronto in 1985, which turned out to be the first underground railroad site ever dug in Canada. And it changed my life. I fell in love with the story of Thornton and Lucy Blackburn, who were the fugitive slaves who lived there, and spent 20 years working on their lives in slavery and freedom. And that led me to the story of Cecilia um, and the five letters that tell us all very much about her life and her relationships. Okay, set this up for us, please. I mean, you I, you can set this story up better than anybody else, and I want people to get this book, which we're, we're giving away a copy of this book uh, during our show today, but, but go for it, Carolyn. Well, Cecilia Jane um, Reynolds was an enslaved woman. Um, she was only 
uh, five months old when she was purchased into a family in Louisville, Kentucky, who had very illustrious ancestors. Um, her owner was the nephew of William Clark of the Lewis and Clark Expedition, and the mistress of the household was a Churchill, and her family home became Churchill Downs, where the Kentucky Derby is run. Gee. Cecilia was given at the age of nine to that couple's um, 15-year-old daughter, Fanny, and became her lady's maid, and the two girls traveled together. And when they went to Washington, D.C., they went all, uh, um, to St. Louis, and eventually they came with her, her father, um, Fanny's father, they came to the Cataract House Hotel in Niagara Falls. Uh, which was a common place for Southerners to come and bring their enslaved servants to take care of them right on the border of Canada. Gee. Yeah, it seems it seems astonishing, doesn't it? And sometimes they actually like the view better from the other side of the river. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and Cecilia had actually arranged her escape by way of the Underground Railroad before she left Louisville, um, which I think is astonishing for a 15-year-old girl to have done. Right. And people had come to the hotel before she arrived from Toronto, including the man who would become her rescuer, and that is Benjamin Pollard Holmes. And they got her across the river. They hid her either in Niagara-on-the-Lake or St. Catharines till the slave catchers stopped looking for her and got her to Toronto, and she came by steamboat. Um, and about six months later, she married Benjamin Pollard Holmes um, and lived with him in a house he owned just behind Osgood Hall in Toronto. <laughs> and in the summer of 2015, uh, an excavation by Infrastructure Ontario actually excavated the home of Cecilia and Benjamin. So we even have archaeological evidence for this story as well. Um, Cecilia had an amazing life, uh, but one of her major objectives in life was to try and get her mother and her brother free as well, and she learned to write and wrote a letter to her former owners and asked what it would cost to buy her mother. Her brother died shortly afterwards. It was Fanny who wrote back, and thus began a correspondence that lasted 20 years. And you have some of these letters? Five, Yes. And you found these five letters where? The Filson Historical Society in Louisville, Kentucky. It's a private historical society there. How did you find these? Interestingly enough, um, the Blackburns, whose home I dug up in 1985, their owner was related to Cecilia's owner. So when I was doing that research, I located those letters at the same time. Man. What's been in all your archaeological stuff? Uh, what's been your, your most thrilling find? I can imagine a lot of them would be sort of like Geraldo cracking the tomb, you know, nothing <laughs> nothing really there. But Oh, no, it's not like that. I mean, when you dig in downtown Toronto, and I did that for many years, so there's almost no place you're not going to find something, right? Hmm. But the Blackburn dig was my, penul my absolute pinnacle of my career and my personal interest in history. I That site brought the lives of the freedom seekers who came to Canada from slavery in the United States to life for me and let, sent me on a lifelong quest. I literally, I went back to university at 39 and did a PhD that I finished at 47 in African Canadian history so I could do a better job on this research. <laughs> you are committed, or should be. Um, <laughs> tell us about the plate that was found. Now that wasn't, that, that's actually found at the site. The, uh, this is the one before. Right. 
Right. Yeah. That, yeah. No, the plate you're talking about was found in 2015. That's not my dig. That's the one that's behind Osgood Hall. It was done by Infrastructure Ontario under archaeologist Holly Martell. Oh, okay. But, yeah, but that plate has a image on it. It's a transfer print plate, and it has an image of Eliza crossing the ice from Uncle Tom's cabin. Man. Man. Yeah. You, you spent eight years on this? I did. I did. How, how uh, this is going to be, I'm going to get personal. You ready? Mm-hmm. Valentine's Day this coming week. How have you stayed married writing like this, researching like this? Right, if I was married to you, woman, you, I, come on. <laughs> well, I'm pretty obsessed, I must say. Um, some years ago, I was done, I, they did an interview with me and asked me what I did for fun. You know, it was my recreation. I couldn't answer. Um, my idea of a good time is doing more research. Oh. And I have a very, very understanding husband. <laughs> Gee whiz. Uh, well, let's hope he's not a drinker. Cause... <laughs> no, 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 no. Norm's, uh, Norm's an environmental edu- outdoor education specialist that's okay. been together for many years. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything about the book that you want to take back? Is there, you know, once it's out and it's released, by the way, uh, the book cover is so gravitating. I'd love to know who that woman is because she just captures so much of what you're talking about. And I, this is just an awkward white guy trying to make an instant opinion on this book cover, but it, but I get it. So who is this woman, first of all? She's a model, and she's African origin. I don't know her name, but she was chosen. That picture was chosen because she... It embodied so much of what I see in Cecilia's life. Um, I know Cecilia pretty well after all these years of, of doing the research. And she was strong. She was determined. She was incredibly intelligent. And she was very, very committed to, this, to the idea of freedom. And you look at this woman on this cover and you see her as someone who is not going to, be, to bow down to anybody. Uh, folks, we are on the phone with uh, an extraordinary Canadian author, uh, Carolyn Smards Frost. She's the author of Steal Away Home, One Woman's Epic Flight to Freedom and Her Long Road Back to the South. Let me ask you, uh, Carolyn, I mean, what's next? What's around the corner from you? Because you can't do very many books if you're going to put eight to ten years of research into each book. You're right. My last one took 20. Um, oh. You can't keep doing this because I just turned 60. But but um, I am working right now on research relating to the coast of the east coast of Canada and the enslaved people who came up, were brought up here from New England and from the West Indies to Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Prince Edward Island, um, and examining the lives of people who came here before the American Revolution. So that's my next project after this one. But I'm not anywhere near done with Cecilia's research. Even though the book's done, I will never stop trying to learn more about her life. What is it, what is it about her that you wish everyone could really get? The idea of a 15-year-old girl being so committed to the idea of freedom that she would leave her beloved family behind everyone and everything she had ever known, and set off to a new country where she had no friends, no family, all in the cause of being liberated from the bondage into which she had been born. I can't imagine a more inspiring story. Okay, again, I don't know how to word this one, uh, so bear with me as, as I stumble over myself. But I'm painfully aware of what an ignorant, awkward, white man I am when it comes to issues that you have spent your life researching. So, so smarten me up. 
get, like is there something is there a, a switch you can you can flick that will help me dial in on this um, the way you you really want me to dial in understand that when Canada people came to Canada I always say it was a, a haven but it was no heaven any more than it is today when people arrive here from elsewhere Cecilia and her friends encountered racism, discrimination. They were kept from jobs. They were prevented from entering the housing they wanted to have. Their children in many places, although not Toronto, were prevented from gaining an education in an integrated school. And yet they persevered. They went forward. They surmounted the barriers placed in front of them and achieved their dreams. This is something we all can learn from. Well, I... We spoke earlier about uh, Morgan Freeman's comment about how he's not a big fan of Black History Month. What do you think about that, Carolyn? I know lots of people feel that way, but I have to tell you that in almost every Black History Month since I started in the work, I give 15 or 20 talks on the heritage of African Canadians. At no time in the year is that opportunity as obvious and as as, as readily offered as it is in Black History Month. I think there may come a time when, when black history, African-Canadian history, indeed the history of all of Canada's peoples, are promoted and, and taught in the schools and readily available to everyone. But I'm not sure we're there yet. And so African-Canadian heritage in Black History Month is highlighted in a way that it isn't at any other time of the year, unfortunately, not at, as is not in other times of the year. But I still think that we maybe we're not ready to give it up quite yet. I want to thank you uh, for something very important that you put in this book, um, pictures. <laughs> you, these photos are astounding. I mean, they're just so captivating because they draw you in. You're like, oh, wait a second, I know that building. Wait a second, I know that area. Wait, I know, I, I, I've been, I was near that. I mean, you draw us right in. This is anybody who's, who is familiar with the Toronto area or, I guess, Niagara as well, uh, correct? Mm-hmm. And Louisville, Kentucky. She lived in Rochester, for t- New York, for a time, too. Jeez. You know who lives in Rochester, New York? Is Gandhi's grandson, Arun Gandhi. Real, well, do you know who lived there at the time Cecilia was there? Who? Frederick Douglass. Oh, wow. Wow. Yes, he, he lived in, in Rochester. I believe she moved there after her husband's death to help with the Underground Railroad operations of Frederick Douglass. I cannot prove that. But, but he, Douglass used to come to Toronto on a regular basis to preach in the... He spoke in the British Methodist Episcopal Church around the corner from her house. He spoke in St. Lawrence Hall on several occasions, which is still standing. <clears throat> Do you... Th- Again, I'm stumbling over this question because it's just dawned on me that, I, that you're the perfect person to ask this. Uh, the the history of the of the the black community here, and I, again, I'm stu- I don't even know what politically correct words I'm supposed to say these days. But the black community here in North America has a deep history in faith in the church, and oh, yes. and and I want to know if if that's as a result of the hell that they had to endure. Or were they, did someone sell them Jesus and it just kind of took off and they kind of hung on to it themselves? Did they bring it with them? I mean, they didn't, I wouldn't think they'd bring it with them. So where did all this Jesus stuff come from? Um, 
I'm not sure I'm an authority enough on, on faith and religion, or at least African-Canadian, African-American religion, to yeah. be able to answer that. But I will tell you that there was a double-edged sword for people, because while the faith sustained them, in every possible way, and still sustains us today, Mm -hmm. of course, in every possible way. Slaveholders also used it as a weapon against the enslaved. They either denied them access to faith uh, and teachings, or they used some very specific verses from the Bible, you know, serve and obey your master, and left out all the parts about treating each other equally and, um, you know, the, the Ten Commandments, um, and all of the parts about being free and, and liberating and helping each other. And that that aspect of their faith has been so strong, and the faith that we all share has been so strong. But the slaveholders used it against them, too, and in ways that were really horrible. See, this is the double-edged sword that I, I wanted to bring up, right, Tim? I mean, that's oh, yeah. we've talked about this a lot, on, well, not a lot, but enough on our show to just shake our heads and go... You know, how do you how do you decide that you're going to keep hanging on to a faith that people have used against you? Oh, absolutely. And they still do to this day. Man. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. I have a, another kind of big, I'm not sure I should ask you question, question. I read this in an article the other day, and I want your reaction. Today, many black Canadian historians question the mythology surrounding Canada's role in the Underground Railroad. Your reaction? Yes. Well, certainly. I mean, it, the the story of the Underground Railroad, to a large extent, as it was understood till the 1960s, aggrandized the part of white people in helping fugitive slaves who were supposedly passive victims get away. And we know that's just not true. But the stories of the real Underground Railroad, and it existed, it was the term was used at the time, there really were people who served as conductors and station, and station masters. Um, we know that at least half the people who escaped slavery and made it to Canada got away entirely on their own or with perhaps the chance help of strangers. But there really were secret routes of the Underground Railroad, and Frederick Douglass ran one of them right out of Rochester by way of steamboats across Lake Ontario, sending people to Toronto. We know that's true, too. That said, the heroes of the Underground Railroad were the incredibly brave women, men, and little children who took their own lives in their hands and fled slavery. The Underground Railroad was a reaction to the fact that people were already voting with their feet. Man. Carolyn is uh, an archaeologist, historian, award-winning author, a biography of freedom seekers. Uh, Thornton and Lucy Blackburn was the first book on African-Canadian history to win the Governor General's Literary Award for Nonfiction. A visiting professor at Acadia University, Carolyn is Senior Research Fellow for African-Canadian History at York University's Harriet Tubman Institute. So, Carolyn, when you... You know, when I watch The Color Purple or Roots or whatever, all these uh, shows, you know, I just kind of see it as entertainment and, and it's and I feel, you know, maybe I'm getting a little bit of history as well. When you watch those shows, do you roll your eyes and go, oh my goodness, that is so garbage? You know, I the one that struck me the str- most strongly that was so authentic to the, tr- the true story yeah. was 12 Years a Slave. Okay, I was going to say that, but I thought, no way you're going to agree with that. No, I actually wrote the introduction for the electronic book that came out at the time the movie was came out. So I studied it quite intensively. And what an unbelievable job that was done on that book in terms of making sure that it was true to life. The other one that is always 
touched my heart, and that is the Book of Negroes, my friend Larry Hill's book and the way it was filmed for television. Just a remarkable, remarkable tour de force. I use it to teach with all the time. Wow. Well, I would. I, I wish I was back in school. I'd, I'd go to your class. <laughs> Thank you. I have 60 students at Acadia University studying introductory African-Canadian history and another dozen in the third-year course. I'm very proud of that. What time do you go to bed? Because you're up at 4.30. So what's going on? <laughs> I only sleep about six hours a night. <sighs> I'm a workaholic. Can you tell? No, not at all. No. <laughs> no. There is a support group I'd like to suggest to you, though. <laughs> it has been a real pleasure to chat with you, Carolyn. Thank you very, very much for doing what you do and then sharing it with the rest of us. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Carolyn Smarts Frost, author of Steal Away Home, One Woman's Epic Flight to Freedom and Her Long Road Back to the South. Short break. We'll be right back. <laughs>